Hey, it's Jamin Fraser, and you're listening to The Insecurity Project. This podcast is a mixture of interviews with experts, authors, and individuals who've gone on to do great things in their life by overcoming their own insecurity. You'll also hear one-on-one coaching sessions with people who are willing to be vulnerable and share their own journey with the world. Also, you'll hear 10 Minute Tuesday, which is a chance for me to deliver high-quality personal development content to help you in your own journey. I hope you find the podcast useful. Now on to today's show. Braden, thanks for jumping on the call tonight. Um, You've been around the coaching stuff for a while now, and I just love the way that you have approached that, even at such a young age. It's not normal. I don't think it's normal for people your age to have the level of maturity and self-awareness to do the kind of personal development you've done. So big kudos to you. Um, and I love that you're always hungry for more conversation and and willing to um, yeah, have very real conversation. So, you know, you know me, we talk about this stuff all the time. There is no judgment. Um, I I don't, you can't please me or disappoint me. I don't need anything from you. My only role yeah. is to serve you um, and to to give you, you know, a greater level of awareness or more choice around what's going on for you or some, some tools or ideas that are going to help you get more of what you want. So, um, yeah, so what's going on in your world at the moment that you'd like to bring to the table to talk through tonight? Uh, okay, so I've got three points that I've um, thought I'd like to bring to the conversation. And um, one was the one I approached you about a couple of days ago uh, about maintaining a strong relationship that I want with my brother. Um, yeah. As you know, he's just moved down to Melbourne and um, he's just become an adult and, yeah, everything's become quite real and I'd really like to maintain a strong relationship with him. Um, yeah. Whilst not putting want on the relationship. Because yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, because I don't want to put that wanting piece on it but really find... Um, a genuine way of um, strengthening that relationship. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Do you yeah. want to go on to the other two points or talk about that one? Okay, yeah, I'll just briefly bring up the other one. Um, All right, cool. Another concept you've brought up, brought to my attention was the one about um, around the subject of uh, good apology. You said... Uh, you showed oh, me a yeah. metaphor with some coasters, actually. You know, it really stuck in my mind about peeling yep. back the layers and getting right down to the bottom. And um, yep. maybe just some framework around that because in theory sure. it sounds very straightforward. But <laughs> as you know, um, a simple concept and they're a little bit more difficult. So that was another one. Um, cool. And then the other one was oh, the one you brought up today about sitting down with the different characters that we recognize within ourselves. Cool. Great. Well, 30 minutes, like time is such a a construct, right? Um, Yeah. 30 minutes can go like that. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard. I just clicked my fingers. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Or it can, 30 minutes can feel like an eternity. Like if you're busting take a crap and you know there's only one toilet as in our house and there's a line up and I'm third in the line and I've got to wait half an hour like that is a long time to wait 
That is yep. way too long, all right? So we've got 30 minutes. So let's talk about all three things, but let's experience 30 minutes as a long time and plenty enough time sure. to have a high-quality conversation about three really cool topics. Uh, so which one do you want to hit first? Cool. Um, relationship. Cool. So what are you afraid of? What's the what's the pre like? Is there a presupposition that things won't be great? Yeah. That? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's. I want so much to have a good relationship because I really don't want a bad one. <laughs> I'll don't want to grow distant from someone I've just started to really enjoy spending time with and uh, learning with. Yeah, sure. So, what are you afraid of? Um, maybe someone taking my role. Maybe like okay. my older brother. Okay, all right, cool. Okay, cool. Nice. Yeah, maybe I'm... Um, uh, Finding that story of being the the brother and the support, I'm, I'm getting something out of uh, being that support, or you know, being the older brother. It's mm, yeah, sure. Need, perhaps. Yeah, and and potentially now exposed, break, um, Bailey now exposed to a whole bunch of new and exciting people. Um, he may forget about you. Yeah, or he, really or he yeah, might, but yeah. He might find that role as confident and older brother in someone else. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. So, what do you understand about operating out of fear? What do you know? What have you learned about yourself that what happens when you make decisions or operate driven by fear? What happens? Oh, very edgy decisions, very um, skewed judgments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know sure. If so, I'm you... in a peaceful state, I make a much clearer, faster decision than if I'm edgy about something, yeah. Beautiful. So having awareness that there is an element of fear in this um, and you just reflect on the fact that every time you operate out of fear or make decisions out of fear, they're not not your best decisions and they're not your best action. So, um, So to get the outcome that you want, if you operate out of fear of what you could lose, is that likely to get you what you want in this situation? Well, no, it would be getting what I think about most of the time, wouldn't it? Exactly, because where would your focus, where would your attention be if you're operating out of fear? Yeah. Like being on a motorbike, looking at the rut. Oh, don't go on the rut, don't go on the rut. Exactly. You look, yeah, you're focusing on what you don't want. Um, and then and then you, it, would cause them, it would cause them neediness in you. It would cause you to be insecure about that relationship and fear that you could lose it. Yeah. So people who have great relationships, what are they focused on instead? Well, would it be more of what you can bring to the table? Maybe maybe um, enjoying the time and what you can offer as far as Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a key a key word that's become part of every time I think about relationships. This word 
is is centre of my framework and frame of reference because I think it's such a key word in focus for getting great relationships, and that's the idea of being the prize. You heard me banging on about that before. Yeah. Um, it's a really interesting thing to focus on because it it is the opposite of focusing on fear and opposite opposite of ro- operating out of neediness um, because I'm not sure if you've ever been in a relationship, a one-sided relationship, where um, you're always the one making the phone calls or you're always the one um, working hard to maintain the relationship. The other person doesn't seem to do much. Yeah, yeah. Um, yet, yet... The reason the person can continue to pursue that person and continues to make the calls is because they want to have a relationship with that person because that person is the prize. So they don't really need to do anything. They're, like, they're fine to put in zero effort because they know that other person will pursue them because yep. they have such a high sense of their own value and what they bring that the other person would feel like they're missing out if they're not hanging out with this person. So not advocating a selfish approach to relationships, but... Um, people who are who understand that they are the prize and who who believe they are the prize are never afraid of uh, of missing out. You know what I mean? Like they're never yeah. afraid of lack or um, of being without, or if people won't like them because they're like, well, hang on, if I'm the prize, then I'm sought after. People are people don't have to set a reminder in their calendar to come hang out or call me or whatever. They just they're desperate to because I have such value and such presence and I bring a lot of value to the table. Yeah. Um, so, so I think owning that space, which is all about, you know, ownership of your value and worth internally and a very strong sense of self, owning that and operating out of that, um, there is no fear in in that yeah, that's that's really making a lot of sense. Kind of clicking. <laughs> uh, I can relate that also to friends with music. Like I really want to build a music community, but it feels like the more I try, the more people kind of like, oh, he always wants to hand, he's always keen, and there's no desperation for it. Yeah, being more of the parents. Yeah, and and the really cool thing is, like, I think that's that's one thing that we've worked very hard on in our marriage, Catherine and I, is to both be the prize. Often one person is the prize, and the other one person has all the power, and the other person has none, which is, you know, it's a horrible setup in the end, really. So for both people to be the prize, which is how every relationship starts, you know, two people wooing and pursuing each other with no guarantee the other person will say yes, and then somewhere along the line one person gives away the power and the other person becomes dominant so um you, you know i think it's a lovely model for having a great relationship with your brother for both of you to realize that you have lots of inherent value and there is no reason why you wouldn't have a great relationship because you both both bring so much love and joy and life to the table yeah uh, i suppose that's something i really respect about him as well he he understands that he doesn't know my style of music and I understand that I don't know a lot about his, but there is a respect there, I suppose, like being the prize, but in each other's areas. And that, um, yeah. I suppose that's how a lot of it works, the mutual respect. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Uh, and I think no, no, people no, no, who no. aren't... Sorry, yeah. you go. No, no, I was just going to... Um, if that were to relate to peel back in the layers, uh, peeling back the layers. So. Oh, for sure. Let's, let's jump onto that because um, I, I think it definitely does relate. It's... You know, when when you're not the prize in a relationship and someone offends you or hurts you, you have no leverage really to demand an apology. You have to cope with whatever they give you or don't give you. So if they're the prize and you get hurt and you say you want to deal with it and they say, oh, let's just forget about it and move on, you kind of just have to. <laughs> yeah. But if you're the prize and someone hurts you, then you go, well, hang on. No, that, no, that's not okay. I am the prize. And it it wasn't okay to treat me like this on day one and it's not okay to treat me like this anymore. So, yeah. yes, this does have to be resolved and, yes, we do have to sort through this. Um, so, so that platform already demands a higher level of communication and relationship. Yeah. It demands that you, you are adults and talk things through. Um, so, you know, the framework I was referring to uh, around a good apology is, um, you know, it's basically common sense, I think, but it's useful to be explicit about the, the stages of an apology. Um, so I think I think oh, straight off the bat, um, if you're going to apologise to someone in a way that works, and the metaphor I showed you was stacking coasters on top of each other, which is often how relationships go. Issues don't get resolved, so one issue gets stacked on top of the other issue and, you know, then there's just this pile of issues between you and conflict can be about any or all of the issues and you don't really know which one you're talking about. Um, You know, you can have a fight about the dishes and the next minute you're talking about in-laws and clothes and sex and everything's all... It's a very messy situation. Um. So, so simply put, the framework for having a good apology, first step, is if you're saying sorry to someone, you have to start by ex- by explaining and communicating what it was that you did wrong. So I don't know if anyone's ever apologised to you and just gone, oh, yeah, sorry. It's like, what? what do you mean sorry? You don't even know what you did. Like, you've got no idea why I'm upset even. So how could your sorry even count? It's almost... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So to actually go right, okay. Yeah, I understand the fact that when I said this, yeah, that upset you and that made you feel like this. Yeah. Okay. And I, I actually did that. So yes, I know exactly the thing that I did that upset you. Cool. That's that's a that's a good start. Now we're on. The, at least we're talking about the same thing. Um, the second part of a really good apology is is then an explanation of why you did what you did. So it's like, yeah, okay, I know, I know that I upset you when I said this. And you know what? The reason why I said that was, look, I, you know, I was, I was feeling upset about this other thing and I kind of acted out and was, was hurtful towards you unnecessarily and I, I really shouldn't have been, you know. So it's, a, it's an explanation of the reason behind that behaviour. So, so one would, would be responsibility and ownership and two would be about an explanation and insight. It would be an awareness just to go, okay, well, I understand, my own, I understand myself well enough to, to know why I did that. I was tired, yeah, or, or I was focused on this, yeah, or I was 
I said that because I assumed you were thinking this. That's why I said that. But now I know you weren't. Um, yeah. You know, so it's just, it's an ability to, to be an adult and actually observe your own behaviour and pull it apart a bit and just go, yeah, I can see, I know exactly what I did that hurt you and I know why I did it too, to be honest. I know exactly why I said that. Um, so then the then it is a heartfelt apology. You go, well, I am really sorry. I genuinely am sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you, um, or maybe I did, but but I I'm sorry that I did that. Um, and then the final piece in the puzzle is a believable plan about why that won't happen again in the future. Yeah. Um, I think I had a conversation with someone the other day about being guarded towards someone who hurts you, and they said it makes perfect sense to be guarded towards someone that hurts you, and I think. It, it only makes perfect sense to be guarded towards someone that, that has hurt you if you believe they will hurt you again. Oh, yeah. Um, that yeah, makes that perfect sense to be guarded because you, w- you would protect yourself. But if someone's hurt you and they've, they've come to you and apologised and, and you, you get the fact that they understand what they did, why they did it, and they present to you a believable plan about why that won't happen again, well, trust can come back. Like, there is no reason to be guarded toward that person again. Yeah. Um, you're able to offer them your forgiveness and go, okay, good. Well, we're back to zero. There is nothing between us now. We are sweet. Yeah, but that believable plan wouldn't be so believable if it was stacked on uh, other issues. Exactly right. Yeah. And it wouldn't be that believable if they hadn't first explained what they'd done and why they'd done it. Yeah. So, you know, it's not that's not rocket science. It's not some strange formula I've concocted. It's just an observation around what it takes to get back to zero and have nothing between you. So there is no guardedness. Then trust can come back. Then things can be sweet. And if you can do that consistently, um, that is that is intimacy. That is a very deep level of intimacy as opposed to an arrangement which a lot of relationships descend into because they don't deal with these issues and there's so many issues stacked between it becomes oh uh, well don't know how to sort this out but we've got kids together or we've got property together or we've got money together so I don't know we'll just kind of make it work yeah um yeah they can get quite deep quite quick yeah yeah so does that make so sense? Very hard. Yes, yes. Um, and then identifying different characters within yourself, like uh, different situations and using them to your advantage. Yeah, another great self-awareness piece is the who's at your table exercise. Greg Bellingham first introduced me to this and it's been such a useful tool just based on the idea that you can show up very different in very in different circumstances with different people. Um, you might even be with a group of friends and you're kind of being a certain way and the phone will ring and it's a friend from a different circle or, you know, a family member and you kind of put on a different voice and you talk, you use different language and, you, um, you know, you have different characteristics and um, phrases, you know. So it's it's cool just to go, there are many different versions of yourself yeah. Um, so the idea of, of imagining sitting down at the table and inviting all the characters to have a seat at the table, and and give them give them names so that you can actually have a conversation with them. 
So a great way of, of starting the process is just to kind of go through your nicknames through different seasons of your life. They, they're a great window into characters. So, um, you know, so I had Fraze, that was who I was at school, and Fraze is a very different character than how I operate most of my life. But Fraze is still there. Like, Fraze is still a part of who I am. And as I was telling you, every time I put my Parramatta jersey on, that's Fraze. Fraze is a sheep farmer from Collector. <laughs> um, and and it's cool, right, because if we're having a bonfire, drinking bourbon, well, Fraze is the, he's the best guy to show up there. Like, my friends don't want the coach to show up when when it's bonfire time. Like, that, they, they'd be disappointed if that guy shows up. He's a bit boring. He wants to have intellectual conversations about everything. <laughs> um, you know, or when my brother wanted, asked me to move house, and, you know, moving someone's house is, is actually officially the worst job in the history of jobs. Um, but for whatever reason, Fraze doesn't mind helping people move house, so... I had to actually change the clothes I was wearing, put on my Parramatta jumper, and then, oh, yeah, sure, I'm happy to go help. Yeah. Uh, you know, then I was telling you, you know, your dad gave me a nickname, Jungle Jim, when I first started working yeah. with him. So that's a different character. Then uh, Kat called me Rushman. That was a name that she used to call me all the time when I just, I'd have 10 ideas before breakfast and think they're all awesome and <laughs> all had to happen yesterday and just... <laughs> Constantly leaving this trail of destruction behind me with great ideas and never executed well. Um, you know, then when I started in business, I was the pink jerk guy because I realized I needed a whole bunch of confidence to sell myself that I didn't have. And I saw this guy and and he was dressed smart and he was wearing a pink shirt and he just looked confident. I thought, I need to be that guy. And so, and so I went and bought a pink shirt and I was the pink shirt guy and I just... It was fake it till I make it. That it was it was a character that helped me start in business and go back myself. Um, you know, phrase if phrase walked into the employment agency when I first started business and tried to sell that idea, it would have been a disaster. Um, you know, so there's a whole suite of characters, um, and it's cool, right? Because they've all got a positive intention, and they're all. They all serve a purpose. So the aim of the game is not to kill any of the characters. None of them are inherently bad. It's to understand them and to see what their intention is. Because um, I've also got a character called the Bandit, who is yeah. a least resourceful character. And most people will be very surprised to hear that I've got a Bandit. But I've done some dumb things in my life over the years, <laughs> uh, things that I'm embarrassed about. And... and but interestingly, when I got to sit down and understand the bandit, the bandit's intention was rest and sustainability. So if the pink shirt guy and Rushman had been hogging the table, they'd, neither of those two guys know how to rest. They're high-octane, flat-out characters. So they'll run me into the ground. So if, they, if they're running the show, the bandit just has to go, right, I'm going to have to go do something really silly to shipwreck this thing so I get a break. <laughs> so knowing that if I don't have another character that can do rest really, really well then well I'll, the bandit will come out inevitably he will come out yeah um, so Rusty that was a name that Greg gave me when we were doing some work together with Taradale Leadership Academy and um, Rusty is my most realised character very relaxed 
nothing to prove, nothing to defend. You know, knows I've done some cool mm-hmm. stuff before, and knows I'll do some cool stuff in the future, but not not driven. So, yeah. um, he's the character that worked out how to develop a rhythm of rest and only work twenty four hours a week. You know, spread over five days, high energy in each day, and a nap after lunch. So, anyway, so well, that's an example of 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 the exercise for me. Um, yeah. But a cool one to kind of a cool self awareness piece to begin for you to. Sit down, think about different seasons in your life, different nicknames, different ways that you you are, um, and see if you can compile a list of characters and their traits. What was the name of the exercise again? Um, who's the who's at the table? Who's at the table? Yeah, Australian. Uh, yeah, and then and then um, interestingly, like the awareness is that you created all your characters. So guess what? You, you can create new ones too. Oh. And so, so then it's like all these characters have served the purpose in a different season, but, but the coming season, you may need to reinvent yourself again and develop a new and improved character. So it's kind of the be, do, have model, right? What do you want? Great. Then, who do you need to be to achieve it? Okay. Well, then develop that, develop a character capable of achieving that. And just because you've never been that character doesn't mean you can't start now. Because at some point, yes. each of those characters had a, had a start point. You know, they they had a they had a first day at the table. Yeah. So that would directly relate to when you model someone as well, too. Hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, well, and I don't know if you heard me tell the story about when I when I invited Kerry Packer to the table, and I <laughs> I became I became my own it version. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great story, but we've run out of time. <laughs> but it yeah. was, you know, in relation to an aspect of business that I'd never known how to have that level of strength and clarity and and tell it like it was. So, all right, well, I need to invite my version of Kerry Packer to the table. Go so essentially, someone. making a character to use at that point. Say that again. So you're essentially making a character that to use at that given time. Yeah, it was because there was a key point in my life where I was limited, and the big goals that I had were on the other side of that limitation. So it's either I grow and adapt a new way of being right now, or I'm forever limited on this ceiling. So after being Kerry Packer once, now Kerry Packer is at my table. I have that character inside me because I worked out how to own that and really live that. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, so if there are future conflict situations or or situations that require a strong response or an immediate response, I actually know how to do that now. Yeah. So it'll be some reflection time and sitting down for the to go through the seasons and uh, yeah, yeah, nicknames and, and assemble yeah, a table. I've got some notes on it that I can send you to if you'd like. That oh, that will um, give you give you a framework for for the self awareness uh, exercise. But um, yeah. So look, we did it. We covered three topics in thirty minutes. And uh, was that? Did that answer the questions that you had? Like, was that um, anything missing yeah, from the conversation? 
not that I can pick up on. I've, I'd like to go through them and then see my understanding once I've sat down to it, and then if I have a yeah, further great. question. Yeah, but no, for now, that's got me everything to sit down and have a real conversation with myself. All right, awesome. Oh, Fantastic. thanks so much, Shane. Yeah, my pleasure. It's always a treat. Um, cool. All right, I'll talk to you again soon. All right, thank you again. See ya. All right, bye. You've been listening to The Insecurity Project. If you're interested in finding out more about dealing with your own insecurity, check out the 30-day online Overcoming Insecurity Bootcamp. It combines high-quality frameworks with one-on-one coaching to help you eradicate the fear of not being good enough and give yourself permission to really flourish in life. For more information, check out jamonfraser.com.